Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Matt Weeks and Edgar Johnson. This segment we're going to be talking about running convention games, which all of us have done to some success or another. Some of us are newer to it. Some of us are more old hands at it. So uh, let's get this party started. Uh, Don, where do you sit on this matter? I am not that experienced. The first game I ran at a convention was last year at UConn, a small convention in Ypsilanti. And I ran a weird, what did I call it? Is that your? Uh, was that your like DC? Oh, Lamentations of the Dungeon Crawl Princess. Yeah, right. Uh, I ran a Lamentations um, module mm-hmm. with zero level funnel rules from DCC. I used the skills from Lamentations, which I kind of like. Yeah, skills are one of those topics. Yeah, right? <laughs> I see it in your face. I had a fine time running it, but oddly enough. Everybody who signed up and paid me my $2 was a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Or a friend of friends, right? I pretty much knew them all very well, and it was a lot of fun. Some of them loved it. One guy fell asleep, but it was not my fault. I remember that guy falling asleep, because I was at the table. I was (laughs) at the table on the other side of the room. And I smacked the table so hard, and he, like, jumped up and, what, what? (laughs) It was a good time. Matt, were yeah. you at that table, or were you at his? Or you at my table at, during that time? Um, I thought you were at one of them. I was at your table. That's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, no, I was like, we were doing the tower, tower out, of time. out of time, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so what what yeah. what insights have, did you glean from that experience, Don, and in, yeah. and any subsequent ones that you might have had? I think the biggest thing is be confident that you can do it, and not overly confident. Just know the rules, know what you're running, and just be ready. That is my. I mean, that's simplified. Uh huh. Well, let, let's let's pick this up. Let's pick this up. You said let's uh, be ready, um, Edgar. I know this year at Gen Con, we ran your first convention games ever. That's like kind of like jumping into the deep end first time. Uh, what did you do to be ready? What did you do to be prepared for that? I was, uh, you know, getting ready to run my games, and uh, I, I. I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I wanted to be completely ready, and there was some stuff that I'd run before, and some stuff I hadn't. I was running uh, Blood for the Serpent King, which was my module, mm-hmm. and I ran that twice, and I ran uh, Michael Curtis's Frozen in Time, which scared the hell out of me, because Michael Curtis, you know? I don't want to, like, screw his stuff up, and it just so happened that I was running his module when he was in the room, so I was well prepared, and what I do is <laughs> I, I, I print out a PDF, and I more or less highlight the things that I need to see just to make it really easy to find. Mm -hmm. Uh, But mostly it's just like run through it, understand where the breakpoints are in the game, have a pretty good idea what's going on, arrive at the game with dice just in case people don't have them. I used a screen. Uh, I had my tablet there, John Mars app on there, the, uh, the, the crawler. Yep. And I had that ready to run. And more than anything else, get to the room before you have to run it. I gave myself like uh, 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes at an empty table, and just sort of sit there and get get your head right. Get in the game, be ready to run. Because when people start showing up, there's 
no time to just be try to there. ramp things up. You need to be ready to hit the ground running because you're the person who's there to bring the energy, right? My prep is more or less, I gotta be familiar with the material. I have my maps there, I have my PDF that I've got printed out that I have in front of me, so I always have access to the material right there. I don't want to rely on any cribbed out notes, I don't want to rely on any uh, shorthand stuff. I want to have everything I want, uh, maybe over prepared, I guess. I'm not, yeah. su- I'm not surprised that you over prepare, Edgar. <laughs> uh, Matt, what about you? Oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely in the overprepared camp. <laughs> I, uh, I have proof of that somewhere yeah. around here. <laughs> I, uh, I still have my booklet from that game that uh, that you ran yep. and you were retiring the the game. So yeah, that's uh, I mean, t- two things I always try to do. So I mean, I I've I've run Cthulhu, Middle Earth role playing over the years, DCC, Little Savage Worlds, and mix it up. I maybe do one one solid event a year. This year I didn't because we. We had our second kid, so but I'll be back next year with Congratulations, something. Congratulations, yeah. Thank you. I don't know what system, but I'll be back. And um, so I usually try to prepare one one uh, adventure. I'll start writing it in the summer. I'll run it at our fall retreat in November, and then I'll take between November and the spring to tweak it, run it a few more times for local groups, and then I'll run it at something like Gen Con or Yukon or wherever. You know, the two things I always try to do are one is is, like you were saying, like, provide something that they can leave the game with, you know, whether that's like for the DCC game I ran at UConn last year, there were, each character had a booklet that had like all the rules they would need to run. If they had spells that had the spell tables in them, it had their character sheet in the middle. It had a little bit of history. Um, and it was done up in a little, you know, half size booklet, kind of like the old school D and D books. And they can take that home at, you know, when they're done. And then the other thing I think is, you know, almost, advice straight out of the DCC book, which is make up something unique. It's got to be something that like they were going to remember. Not many people are going to go home and say, Hey, I played in this game at UConn and you know, we fought 16 orcs. Like that's just not, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's just not making uh, the impression that you want. You want to throw something at them that they're going to like, wow, that was different. That was unique. I've never fought a serpent that belched flies or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, you just got to get something in there that uh, gets them talking. Hopefully, after they leave the table. So uh, those are the two things I try to focus on. And then it's just a matter of like, okay, I want to tell this story or provide this experience, but I only have four hours to do it. I mean, I think that's the biggest challenge of any convention game is just getting something worthwhile, you know, because you're going to have five to maybe 13 players at your table. Like how do you provide something where everybody's engaged and, has a you know a fun experience in in such a short period of time it's i think that's the most difficult thing and to pace your adventure so that you know you're not just going to have to like do the ending in a synopsis or something because you ran out of time do you have any uh, uh do you have any tips for you know for pacing in that in that kind of well, i think i think edgar kind of started to to talk about that a little bit and that's you know you got to find a, a break points in your adventure where you know, you're like, hey, by the midpoint or by the first hour, we need to at least be this far. And mm-hmm. the way I usually do that is I write my adventure sparse, but I write sort of like sidetrack pieces that I can, if things are going fast, okay, I can throw this at them. Usually I save something for the end. So there's the finale sort of part of the experience adventure. Um, but I'll usually have a secondary piece bolted onto that. That's not necessary, but still makes sense in the, the overall arc of things that I can either, you know, 
tack on if I need to fill an extra 30, 45 minutes, or I can just leave it off entirely if we're, if we're closing uh, in on time. So a little modularity like that, because I mean, you can plan all you want, you know, but as everybody knows, their players are just going to, you know, oh, there's a, a latrine there. Sure. We're going to go down it, you know, and, <laughs> and before you know it, you've spent, you know, an hour and a half, like, you know, messing around in an orc toilet. So I yeah. see, I celebrate that, you know, <laughs> to a degree, <laughs> like, uh, Something about the orc toilet to me is just, it's a it's a perfect granularity. You know they these people are choosing to spend their time doing that, and I, I um, and it's to me it's only if there's like a part bit of party dissent that I'm going to you know move people away from the orc toilet. That having been said, I think it's perfectly reasonable to put something really freaking dangerous in the orc toilet. Yeah, no, it's, absolutely. Or, or or rewarding, you know. Yeah, sure. I never never <laughs> thought anybody was going to screw around with the orc toilet, but you know. Go for it. Oh, there's well, think... an Odiog guarding all the treasure, you know? <laughs> I also think, I mean, just running your adventure as many times as you can before getting to the thick of it. I, I know my adventure barely resembled what I initially kind of, like, mapped out by the time I actually got around to running it. A lot of it came in that whole, you know, that idea, like, well, I really need to make these more unique, these encounters more unique. Yeah. I need to have my creatures have something just a little bit extra and it just goes through a, a metamorphosis and by the time you come out the other end oh yeah like that one room on the map that's familiar but the rest of it's pretty <laughs> much entirely new so yeah. i had that experience at gen con this year um i ran something um first off i would like to start by saying i am not an over prep guy or what in my mind is over prep i'm not a prep heavy guy i am a relatively prep light guy that having been said i've got booklets for my adventures that i run that cons <laughs> you know because i just take everything I, I have and i print it booklet shape and their booklet style and i don't have handouts or whatever i was running um the uh quasquetherian hack of in search of the unknown that i've done um at, at gen con this year and um and it was a lot of that it was about oh well these are familiar rooms this is a familiar dungeon everybody's been here before at one point or another because it's in search of the unknown right i mean it's like the first basic D D module ever everybody's seen it how do you know how do we make you know this place new and unusual and what do we put in there that um folks aren't expecting you know and it's not all donkey headed midgets and sugar skulled tuxedo men <laughs> you know and, and i mean you can have some of that it's just enough to no. freak jason hobbs out and don stroud <laughs> but uh it's you know it's it's i i'm with you matt you know you gotta you know shape things make it something that something they've never seen before you know um, if you can't, if you're not presenting them with something they've never seen before, and it's just another 16 orcs, like you said, you're right. What's the point? Why did we come here? Why didn't we just, you know, why couldn't we have done this in the parking lot? Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of it depends too on whether or not you're trying to kind of sell a system to you know. Like I've run convention games for companies, like I did some work with Iron Crown for a few years, and things like that, and you're, where you're basically kind of demoing a system for someone trying to get someone interested. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have done that with DCC and stuff like that over the past few years. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, y you want people to have a good experience. You want them to experience, say, the lethality of a system like DCC, but you don't want them, like, <laughs> leaving pissed off either, right. you know, and, like, why isn't my guy a superhero, and why didn't he, you know, kill that guy in two hits? Um, right. So I think a lot of, you know, if... if a lot of it has to do with that too. Like if yeah. you're actually, yeah, I mean, you're, and you're showing somebody like the 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 tone. Your, your tone tells people a lot about what you expect out of the game. You know, right. um, if someone dies I, in a DCC funnel, 
get excited. Great! That's great! That's wonderful! Maybe even reward it. One of your guys gets a point of luck or something like that, you know? I have been known to do that. You know, just reward the first death at the table with a luck with one of their other characters, because why not, you know? Uh, That's why I think hmm. the, the Goodman, you know, the Goodman ribbons are giving oh, yeah. something to take home and to remember the game by. Bam, that takes care of that. But yeah. it also celebrates the fact that, hey, characters are going to die. <laughs> here's a ribbon for dying. Yep. At least you got something, you know. Only one way yeah. you can get that ribbon. Hey, let me ask a question, you, you guys. Uh, I spent a lot of time before my, uh, my con, because you guys got to understand, this is not only the first time I've run games at a con, but I ran three games at the con, mm-hmm. and it's my first gaming con ever. Yeah. Like, I've oh, never wow. been to a gaming con. Are you going to come back? <laughs> um, I'm going to do North Texas next year. Yeah. Right. But I spent a good amount of time doing pre-gens. I did uh, ten pre-gens per, per game. Oh, wow. And, That's a lot. And I, Well, I had eight players at the table, so I gave them... Oh. I had 10 out there, choose which eight you want to run with and, you know, leave the other two on the table. Yeah. And uh, I figured I'd have the other two. I mean, if somebody went down super early, I might yeah. just say, hey, let's figure out a way to work in another character. But mostly it's just to give them some choices about things. Uh, and the way I did it, uh, I can't remember who came up with this idea, but I didn't put names on the character sheets, but I did put the first letter of each name on the character sheet. Huh. And so... You know, it's it's a pre-gen. I, I basically said, here's your character. It's, you know, race, class, whatever, all the stats. And uh, I did do the spells, and if somebody had, like, uh, an elf or whatever, I did. Uh, I went ahead and did the roll for the, uh, patron, bond. the, the, patron, bond, the patron bond, yeah. And then I, uh, beyond that, I said, okay, you guys have pretty much what you want. Write down what you want. Then we'll get started, and if somebody thinks of something they should have written down later on, we can make a luck roll and see if you have it in your backpack. Uh, just to kind of, you know, go with the equipment rather than spend, you know, an hour sort of choosing equipment. Either that or give them, like, mm-hmm. the cookie cutter, here's your dungeoneering kit thing. Right. Um, just, you know, to allow them that. Uh, but I spent a lot of time just getting those sheets ready. I use I use my custom sheet. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Adam. Uh, it's just a... DCC sheet I ran together with, you know, totally metal fonts and, you know, the whole... <laughs> no, I don't think I've seen that, no. That kind of thing. Uh, but that, for me, was a really big part of the prep because I was just sort of thinking about, okay, who are the characters who are going into this thing? Who do they have to choose from? And, uh, you know, it was three. It was 3D6 down the line, but I used a lot of John Mars, uh, you know, generators just to say, okay, here's 25, let me take 10 of these and just kind of see you know, what we have and give some people some choices. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, I I just sort of figure if you're not happy with your character going into the game, you're not going to be happy to be in my game. Right. Yeah, people need to play what they want, you know. Get the the guy who's stuck with the cleric that never wants to be a cleric, and he's not going to have a good time no matter what happens, probably. So, (laughs) But I think, you know, I do the same thing. I I usually over-pre-gen... And, and try to basically give them a, a ready-to-run packet, the, you know, the minute they sit down at the table. The problem I have with games like DCC or whatever is you want there to be elves and halflings available, dwarves available, which in reality wouldn't be happening in a DCC game. I mean, most of your players are going to be human anyways. Yeah. So you end up with this sort of 
you know, a very equal mix of, of classes that, you know, especially if you're running a higher level uh, mm-hmm. game. But we're selling it, right? So we're Right, not, yeah. I mean, yeah. you want people to see, oh, hey, the halfling can do that, the dwarf can shield bash or whatever. So I've, I've often done that. And the other thing I do, too, is I, I'll, I'll, I'll pre-burn down characters' luck. Like, I'll say, well, okay, you're level two, but, it, you know, there's no way you would have made it there without burning some luck. So I'll do stuff like that um, just to sort of kind of put it in the moment. But I probably spend too much time on it, too. But I actually went into Gen Con this year with one uh, adventure I hadn't written at all. I had a general synopsis. I had an idea of what I wanted to do with it. And that was easily my most successful session at Gen Con. I guess I'm much more of an improviser than a, you know, here I'm going to run prepared stuff. You know, I don't do as much with, you know, modules because for me, that's not where my thought process lies. You know, I wish I did. I wish I could just write everything in my head and then turn it into a module. But I found actually like for me running the thing and writing down the notes that I get from that, I, I end up with much more usable material than if I try to sit down and write it up front. So this thing I had no notes for, it was uh, it was a blast. It was fun. Uh, the players, uh, the great thing about the player agency, you know, there was, hey, let me ask you a question. You know what? They're going to ask me a question. They don't know any more about this than I do, really, because all I know is where it's going to end up. And so I got to, you know, actually react a lot more tightly to what they were actually looking for, you know? Um, and if I was describing a thing, um, I could just change it on a, a moment's notice you know, versus what I was initially picturing to get the right response, to get, um, you know, to get them to cue into what I was saying and what I was talking about. Uh, realistically, whether it was actually successful or not, I think <laughs> uh, we need to have one of the guys who was in the session to tell you. But um, for me, that was the most fun session I had. Uh, and most successful. I had, you know, I felt like we had more people come away from that. Man, this was exciting. This was fun. Let's, you know, what are you guys doing later? And that's uh, why a bunch of those guys ended up at Catastrophe Island that night. But where they did not have as much fun as they did during the day, because they were a little more like, hey, we're playing by rules. This game has rules, and we're gonna blah blah blah. Which mm-hmm. you get into a game with Doug Kovacs, Wayne Snyder, and I, and it's not have nearly the as little, many. The rules. rule book goes out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think improvisational DMing like that can be. Amazing. I mean, I, I haven't done anything like that in years. I mean, the only reason I used to do that is because we used to play weekly in college and I just didn't have time to prepare anything. So I would show up to run my game and we'd end up winging it most of the time and, and we had a blast. But, you know, I think I, I, I'd like to try that again just because I think it it, it puts a, a creative edge on, on what you're doing that, you know, you the adrenaline you get being under the gun when you're running a, a game like that, you know, and, and now you have these, this great set of notes on the game. You're oh yeah. Gen Con that you could actually turn into. Yeah. Because it's like, what do I need right now? Okay. Write that down. And instead yeah. of this thing that I need, I'm going to make it up and here we are. Um, so as a result, I've been writing all these weird tables about there's the sound in the forest. What do I hear? Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me that. What do I hear? And I could have had a table for that and it would have been great. And instead mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. made it up and, that's fine, you know. Uh, it was just it was a neat, you know, back and forth. And I will readily admit that almost everything I run at conventions, because Tower Out of Time was the last, you know, prepped adventure that I've uh, that I've run at a con. Everything since then has been stuff that I have written, and it's um, it's all, uh, you know, I've I've got all these great notes from you know just play, you know, what do we need here? What do we need there? How did this work? How did it not work? And I guess you know I don't know if. That's a common way to do it, but it seems like a lot of the the writers who I like a lot, you know, that seems to be how they run too. At least as far as I've I've observed. We played in one of Joe Bittman's Metamorphosis Alpha ses- sessions at GaryCon this year, 
and uh, he was writing it the night before. <laughs> so uh, now, go ahead. To be honest, I didn't always go off of the stuff that I had completely prepared. Oh sure. Well, you can't. Um, I mean, if you did that, you know, you could. I mean, might as well have a robot run the session, right? I mean, sure. But I mean, I have it all prepared. But I mean, having that level of preparation gets me to a point where I feel comfortable going off script because yeah. once I go off the path, I at least know where the path is. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who, if you wave the shiny object over here and, you know, at the edge of my vision, I'm going to chase the shiny object. And so if I don't have something solid that I can return to, then I get lost. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I mean, you've 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 you experienced just, I have it. experienced that. Yeah, you just described my my entire problem with games like Skyrim and all of that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just I, I have two hours to play. I log in, and an hour and a half later, all I've done is pick flowers. You know, so yeah, built your house. Hey, uh, we we so we're, we're talking about prep. Are we going to talk about experience too? Sure. That was just one question, and I think the conversation's even spun off from there. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean, Edgar? What did you want to talk about? Okay, well, here's how it went f- went for me. I come into a room, right? And uh, it's a room with eight tables, and it's a very small room. It's very loud. And I get there early, and to my right is Harley Stroh <laughs> running seven pits of Cedricon. He's two tables to my right. One table to my right is Michael Curtis running whatever the fuck Michael Curtis is running. I think he was probably running Chained Coffin, right? And I know those guys. Every time they show up, they're supposed to be like hot shit DMs at, at, at cons, right? And so I like look down the line here. I'm, look, I'm seeing these fucking guys, and I'm just like, okay, Johnson, you gotta fucking bring it. <laughs> it's like okay. It's like uh, here's this chair for me. No, this chair is not for me. This chair goes up against the wall. I'm standing right here, <laughs> and you know I got my stuff. And I'm standing there, and I'm I'm performing. I'm not running a game. I'm 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 the game. I am playing the fucking game. And these guys are gonna have fun, and I'm gonna make sure everybody stays involved. Even that guy who's totally tired and falling asleep at the table, because I had two of those. And there, I was I was there for one of those. I saw that guy <laughs> nodding off all the time. Yeah, <laughs> he apologized. Well, yeah. Well, what's funny about it, it was like. Uh, that happened in two games, and it was exactly the same seat both oh, times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like uh, it was Jeremy Whalen, I think, was passed out at one game, and uh, I can't remember the other dude. Jeremy name. Whalen passed out? <laughs> yeah, he was tired, man. Oh, dude. That's and so, He's got to feel so, terrible about that. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, I went into it going, okay, both my, well, all three of my games sold out within minutes of the of the sign up, like opening for. It was like gone. Nobody else could get in. So I just sort of said, you know, these guys wanted this shit. They wanted it to happen. I gotta, I gotta show up ready to go. And so you know, I got Harley over there. I got Michael over there. And if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna have to like let it go. So I'm run, I'm running Frozen in time. And when that T Rex comes out. I got T-Rex arms. <laughs> I got straight up T-Rex arms, and I'm, like, stomping around and shit. You know, just sort of, you know, trying to, as much as possible, make sure that everybody at the table is engaged as possible, because that's my job, you know? And I, I teach, so I'm used to being up in front of a crowd like that, and I'm used to, you know, bored people. 
I'm used to trying to take things like talking about introduction, body, and conclusion and making that shit that they can, you know, pay attention to. So it, it wasn't that much different than my regular job. It was a hell of a lot more fun. And I was a lot, I was a lot tireder than normal, but probably you know. doesn't pay as well though. No, it, it doesn't pay shit, does it? <laughs> so I mean that. I mean for me that was the experience, and I came out of it every time. Did you come out? Did you come out energized, or did you come out drained? Because I know plenty of people on both drained. sides. Drained, drained, both actually. Don, when you uh, run stuff, is it is it energy or is it are you drained? A little bit of both. Yeah, you feel like, man, I just need to sit down, but you're also like, man, that was awesome. Yeah, I'm the same you know? way. Like, immediately after, it's like, woo, and then afterwards, it's like, fuck yeah, you know? I'm usually pretty energized after running RPGs. We also do a huge wargaming convention here in Chicago, and when that's done, I'm just I'm <laughs> done. Just tired, done, game over, don't right. want to see it for months on end. But RPGs usually, like, the second I'm done, if I have a good session, whether it's a home game or a con game, like, I'm immediately right in the zone afterwards. I'm, I'm, in, the same, I'm in the same boat. I'm uh, definitely on the uh, high-energy front when, I, when I'm feeling like the game went well, you know? I guess that's, that's one of those things, like, the endorphins feed the whole, like, yeah, this was exciting, let's write this shit down finally, and, you know, maybe go grab a beer and have some dinner, and then it all goes downhill from there but um no i mean it uh like at, at gen con this year you know i had a session every afternoon get done with the session in the afternoon and then we had doug con running catastrophe island where i was running that till you know midnight or so and it wasn't that that just kept going that just kept me going too so it was it was you know high energy during the day um brief lull and then back into high energy because i kind of needed that lull a little bit um but you know i came home feeling more like holy crap there's so much stuff I can do that I haven't done yet. Let's get this ball rolling so the next con's even better, you know? Um, and I don't know. That's that's how I feel, you know, every time I get done running. So I, I, rarely, I, I think the only convention I've ever come back, come away from, like, man, I'm glad that's over, was uh, was Michicon last year. But um, <laughs> oh, yeah. there's a couple of reasons for that. <laughs> that, 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 that con is kind of like the walking dead, you know? It's It's... Yeah. Not the t I meant like the actual Walking Dead, not like you know the the TV show or comic, or <laughs> but it's um it's it's on its way it's on its way down, man. I don't think it knows it's dead yet. On Sunday, as a you know leaving, I I stopped by Goodman Booth. I was talking to Harley briefly, asked him how the Seven Pits funnel went, etc. We talked about it for five minutes, and then I sort of wandered away. But then my whole point of going over there again was because I was pretty high energy level yeah. post con. Then I would say, Hey, you know, if you, if you do that again next year, you know, I'd be interested in helping out in some fashion, you know, whether it was pre event or actually helping run a table or whatever. And he was like, gosh, so hoping you would say, that. <laughs> cause like, I think, you know, he needed probably two additional judges this year. Well, I, uh, I volunteered as well on the same day. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I think good. I saw Maybe. you at the Goodman booth. Didn't we run into each other? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we then, did yeah. As, as we were exiting the premise. So, I mean, you know, to, to commit, I mean, I granted, I got 12 months to, till that actually occurs, right. but, uh, you know, I think that just speaks to the level of energy we're both talking about that, mm -hmm. you know, on Sunday at Gen Con, you'd be like, yeah, let me run something else. Yeah, I know. Right. It's, like, it's like the day we road. should all be, we <laughs> should all be, you know, like 
like falling asleep at the wheel, you know, and like dragging her knuckles on the ground. Get out of here! But no, I mean everybody I talked to on Sunday was like, "This was awesome. We got to do more." Um, The energy feeds itself, I think. So. Yep. Yeah, and I think it helps to have a, you know, it's it's a smaller, tight knit community in something like DCC, you know, as opposed to like you know a huge thing like Pathfinder Society or something where. You know, everyone's starting to know each other and everybody's knowing what everybody's capable of. And, you know, there's just a level of of uh, interaction and, and kind of trust that people build within a smaller community like that. That's just you just can't match it anywhere else. So that is one of the things that worries me is, you know, like, I mean, thankfully, we're all kind of we're re- all relatively like niche gamers. Right. I mean, we we. All of us here have run DCC. All of us here play DCC. Um, you mentioned Savage World. Savage World is a much, probably you know much more widespread and popular game than DCC. None of us are talking about D and D. None of us are talking about Pathfinder. Um, I uh, well, you you almost did that when you mentioned the three five, you know three E game or three five. I, I am uh, playing some three five, and I, I do plan on running some five E at some point. But I yeah, that's a topic for a different day. But yeah, sure. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think we all have the benefit of talking about a relatively small pool of gamers when compared to like gaming at large i mean we're a niche of a niche i mean whether we're talking about osr gaming or you know dcc gaming and or what have you you know i think that we we our experiences might be a little different from other people's because we come from an enthusiastic pool of players and dms you know um, see, I, I, I don't know, man, because, I, I mean, I see where you're coming from, mm-hmm. but I sort of, when I get on, uh, you know, just the Google Plus community, right? Oh, trust me, I don't want to be right about this. Um, <laughs> I want to be I want to be dead wrong. I want. I hope well, that all gamers are just like the DCC gamers, because they're freaking badass dudes, and I love it. I love being part of this community. I love, you know, having conversations that we have in the G Plus, you know, DCC community. Go with Well, I mean, point. not even not even the DCC. I mean, like the the whole sort of Google Plus gaming community. But remember, I, I, that's I, a niche again. I mean, we're talking. <laughs> it is. It is. It <laughs> There's is. More gamers on on Google Plus, I think, than the other social media. But still, uh, we're uh, we're a little. You know, we we tend to focus more. You know, you focus on who's in your circles, and unfortunately, it can get a little echo chambery after a while. So that's what I yeah. worry about: is that are we dwelling in this echo chamber? And you know what? I've never run Pathfinder Society games, nor am I well, ever. Hold on, hold on. And so I'm going to make my point, Adam. Go for it. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. All right. So here's the thing that I've noticed: is people will say, "Hey, here's this fucking thing." And somebody puts this thing up here, and you're, like, checking it out. It's like, wow, that's a really good thing. I wonder if I can do a thing. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to make my thing better than that fucking guy's thing. And not so much because that guy's a dick and I want to, like, show him up, but just because it's like, I want to put this thing out there in front of this community. I want it to be fucking awesome. I want it to be something that people can use or people will, like, point to. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, uh, the, you know... Deep Carbon Observatory. Secret Santa Corps. Oh, Secret Santa Corps is a great example. Yeah, uh, because, I mean, it's like three volumes of, like, 100-plus pages each. Oh, that was just this year. That was just this year. <laughs> and it's just like, have you read through that thing? No, I couldn't make it through the whole thing. There's so much to it. And, and you're reading the stuff, and it's, you know, there's good stuff in there, and more good stuff in there, and more good stuff in there, and that's just stuff that people sort of tossed off, 
in a very short amount of time and they slapped it together in a very short amount of time and that's the community that's what we put together and that was just that one thing that we did that one time yeah i mean that's that to me that's that's that is the thing it's like yeah we are sort of a niche community but well and i i would even say there i think that um that what you know, I, I, I don't want to get into proselytizing about the Google Plus community and how badass it is and how everybody who listens to this podcast should, um, you know, circle all of the badass people that we've, that we have circled and pay attention to what they do, which they should. But, um, it is to say that any kind of social media does become like an echo chamber after a while where we kind of, you circle the people who say the kind of things that you want to pay attention to, which means that they in turn circle people that they want to pay attention to and yada, yada, yada. And you kind of end up with uh, an echo chamber. And I don't want to get into the non-gaming parts of this because there are lots and that's why you had to mute your cousin who, um, you know, posted all that crap on Facebook that is really political stuff that just really pissed you off about that candidate you don't like or maybe the guy you do like and all, you know, that stuff. But... I think on Google Plus because it's more of a like a curated, you know, like we curate our own cycle, our circles, um, and we we decide what we want to observe more than others, more than other social media. The it's less, it's more of an echo chamber effect, but it's a much cooler echo chamber to be in. Uh, <laughs> and and so, um, you know, when we talk about con games, you know what I I have no idea like what it's like to run one of the big systems on a con. You know, what is it like to run? To before Gen Con this year to have run like say D and D Fourth Edition, you know, at a convention. Frankly, I can't understand what that would have been like anyway. And I'm even a guy who enjoys Fourth Edition or you know Pathfinder. What's it like to to run Pathfinder in a in a convention? And that that I think would be different than the experiences that we've had. You know, um, if only because there's a broader base of players. Uh, and I think the folks who do run those things are the folks who have more complaints about players because i think again that you know our our, the community echo chamber thing feeds itself and good behaviors and you know like hey uh dcc people should be badass people and lamentations people should be badass people you know and uh it creates a a self-sustaining community of awesome should is that should be how it is and i like the fact that it is how it is you know um we weed out the people who aren't fun pretty quickly right i mean it occurs and yet those people still exist in the gaming community somewhere. They're just not at our tables, right? I mean, I don't mean yeah. to sound goal, like a jerk, but it feels like, yeah. which I'm going to anyway. your goal at that point is to go, you know, find the fun people and bring them in and, yeah. to that community. Yeah. And I think that that, has, that goes back to the energy thing, too. Like, I, I've not had a player that really made me regret, I wish I, uh, regret that I was running something at a convention. And um, Edgar, it sounds like you haven't either. I, I haven't either, but I mean... I think you and I both, you for maybe a different reason than me, I'd be real, I'd be fine with bringing down the hammer on somebody who's fucking harsh in my game. Um, I'm used to dealing with this bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I, I think you're, you'd be a lot harder asked on that stuff than I would, you know, with me, I think it'd be more like, okay, that's great. Let's figure out how you can have fun, <laughs> you know, um, I actually no, I wouldn't. I mean, I I gotta I gotta deal with students every day, right? Yeah, and they're jerks. And, Forget those guys. <laughs> and they can be jerks, but I, I I don't get to kick them out of my class. I gotta work with them. I gotta make it work. If I have to send them to somebody, I will. But most of the time, we work it out. And most of it is I be I'm honest. I tell them exactly what's what's on my mind. I try to figure out what's on their mind, and we sort of get to a place, and then. You know. Yeah, I, 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 there. Yeah, there are communication issues you got to work through sometimes. I mean, yeah. um, 
whether it's maybe their expectations were off what you're doing, you know, maybe find a way to demonstrate to them, you know, with you know, how to realign their expectations with what's actually going to happen. And that, that can be really difficult. Uh, it definitely, can. definitely worth the time doing. But all the people in my groups were pretty good. I mean, I had some newbies and they seemed to catch it, catch on pretty quick. They, they weren't, you know, they were into it. I haven't killed one of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, well, let's, let's move on, uh, just a little bit. Uh, we're going to start with Matt here. Matt, if you had one piece of advice you would get, you would want to give folks uh, who are thinking about running a convention game or who are about to run their first convention game, what would it be? I would say, you know, just pace yourself. Uh, find something that uh, speaks to you both in, you know, whether it's a rule set or an adventure or something that you can really own. And, uh, you know, just do it. Try to do it as best you can right out of the gate because that's going to just color the rest of your experiences down the road if you have a bad time you might not come back and do it again so i would say say you know just get comfortable with what you're about to run and in the system you're about to run and uh, just do the best you can and it you know it's going to work out fine all right don what would you say i'll piggyback on that and like be have it be something that you are excited about because that will exude yeah Absolutely. That's a good point. On to people. Like and be confident. Just own it. Yep. Edgar? You know. Um I I'll piggyback on top of that. I think uh <laughs> This is getting to be one huge back. That's all I'm saying. Well <laughs> well, I mean have fun. But but here's the thing. I mean, I, I remember going to that third game. You know how little we slept while we were there, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, our both of, I, all right, all right, just for the Edgar and I had rooms across the hall from each other, and in uh, Edgar's room, it was Edgar, James McGeorge, and Gabriel Perez-Gashardi, and in my room, and sometimes Doug Koufax. <laughs> yeah. Not all the time. <laughs> Doug wasn't actually staying there. It was just sometimes. It was when Doug didn't want to walk all the way back to his hotel room, and you know they just, <laughs> just crashed there. And then in my room, I had it was me and my wife, and Wayne Snyder, and uh, James DeYoung, and we had some pretty late nights with that crowd. It was oh, yeah. pretty great. Uh, and I'm uh, getting up. I'm getting up at like you know my regular time, which is around you know six thirty or so, yeah. which is actually late for me. But you know, Edgar so, thought he could get to a plane at like eight in the morning. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I got out the room in ten minutes. I don't do that either. Yeah. But anyway, be enthusiastic about what you're going to run. But the other thing is. You have to understand that it's not about you. It's not about how you feel. It's not about how enthusiastic you are. It's about the people at your table. And more than anything else going into those sessions, I wanted to make sure that the people at my table were having fun. And so chocolate-covered espresso beans, plenty of hydration, and when, when, game, time came, when, when game time is there, game is on. I mean, you're there to do it, and you better fucking bring it. You know, you are there to perform. Not say say that as like added pressure or, my God, we're you know we're gonna be fucking brutal or you know whatever. It's not yeah. like that, but more like I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that the people at this table are having fun. That's my obligation. I put this game out there. People signed up for it. They paid money for it. I'm gonna take it as seriously as anybody at that table hopefully more seriously than anybody at the table and then my advice is gonna yet again make this back a little bit bigger and that is to say on edgar's thing 
don't take things so seriously that you freak yourself out. I know plenty of people who can psych themselves out by, you know, you know, uh, like over prepping. But and this is not to say that you guys over prep. You guys obviously prep enough for you. That's that's wonderful. That's fantastic. That's and that's a hard thing to find. Is where what's the right amount of prep for you? For you guys, it's more. For me, it's less. For some, you know, for the listeners, it might be somewhere in between, or it might be more towards you guys. I don't know. Just do it. I mean, you're <laughs> you're never going to know what it takes until you've actually done it. You're never going to know who you are. Out in in con G, as a con GM until you've gone out there and given it a shot. Um, and sure, a bad player can make it rough, make it a hard time. But in my experience, this has been so much better that I just did it. You know, get over the hump, you know, get over the like the fear of performance. Um, you know, I, I'd say there was a little bit of performance anxiety for everybody the first time they do a con game or the second. Or for me, it's actually every time I go into a new con, you know, or go into the same con again next year. You know, I've got a little bit of like a, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then I do it and then everything's fine. And once you jump in the water, you remember that you know how to swim. Uh, because we all know how to swim, at least in this particular lake, uh, to keep that metaphor rolling. Um, we we all run games, right? We all run games for our home crew. The uh, or not in Matt's case, uh, but uh, we 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 all have done it. We can do it. We will do it again. It's the biggest thing for me is just don't freak out. Jump in the lake. Beat first first time. You'll be fine. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have yeah. fun with it, right? To be honest, I I, I had a ton of fun. Being serious about it and taking it seriously, uh, that's an aspect of it. But once you're in the game and once the people are there, they're rolling dice and the adventure's rolling along, it's just like any other game that you're running. I would agree. Um, all right. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's been a great discussion. I think we're ready for our third rail of gaming. Are we ready for this? Ready. I thought yeah. I thought I knew what it was going to be for this week. And then we made a lot of jokes and I decided I'm not going to do that one. Because we made too many jokes about it. Here we go. Uh, Matt Weeks. Alignment. Yeah. Three where, part, where do I stand on Three-part alignment or nine-part alignment? Five. You can go home, Zian. I'm fine with that. I think I'm leaning on, on the three-part these three days. Three-point alignment. Very good. Edgar yeah. Johnson. Three-point alignment, nine-point alignment, five-point. What do you got? <sighs> I fucking hate alignment. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I, what, which is best <laughs> out of those? I'm going to have to go with three... That's fantastic. All right, uh, Don Stroud. I'm so used to nine. I've used nine for years, but three is so simple and so real. It's so it's it's just after reading Appendix N stuff, three works. Okay, um, I right? it should be no surprise. I'm gonna pitch in with three uh, the three point alignment system as well. Uh, Matt, does nine point alignment suck? I don't think it outright sucks. I understand. I you know I get how some people need that extra bit of granularity in there, but uh, that or the people that just want to equate chaos with evil all of the time, yeah. so they need to separate that out a little bit. Um, but I just think it's it's too cumbersome for for most games. You know, games that are loose and and you're playing for fun, you don't need that sort of extra level of detail. Yeah, I'd I'd say that good and for me, good and evil are irrelevant. I don't tend to want to play in the save the princess, kill the dragon kind of game. You know, that's not... Right. I mean, maybe kill the princess, save the dragon, but, you know, uh, that's <laughs> Most only... Most games very... I'm playing in, 
the player characters are always doing something highly questionable. So and they like, should be, right? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, who's no no one's ever playing, like, truly good. Get that uh, guy. And the ever, guy who so. wants to, I don't even want to play with that dude, I don't think. Edgar, does nine-point alignment suck? Uh, yes. On the other hand, wasn't uh, Gygax uh, an insurance guy? <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna allow this. What's the relevance? <laughs> um, it reads like an actuarial table. Everybody has their little slot that they go on the actuarial table. It makes sense. It's a purely rationalist way of dealing with alignment. He, I believe, he was at one point an insurance salesman. At the point when D and D was created, though, wasn't he a shoe repair guy? Cobbler. Yeah, uh, the cobbler. It was okay. my, it was my rickety yeah. segue, anyway. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he probably did that at some point. I mean, he got his, his list of previous occupations reads like mine. Don Stroud, nine point alignment. How bad does it suck? It doesn't suck badly at all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I why mean, I asked you that question that way. Talk to me about it. Yeah, yeah. Do you need to break it down like yeah, that? Come on. No, yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, what's evil is evil. Who cares if it's lawful evil or chaotic evil? Really, people either play as like, oh, I'm cool, or I'm an asshole. I mean, really, I'm saying two alignments. Cool, asshole. <laughs> All right, Don Stroud's new two-alignment system, cool or asshole. I'm, uh, I'm fine with that. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I think a, uh, an, ab- an abides could sit between those, you know, kind of like yeah, a, yeah. a, a oh, yeah, dude yeah. alignment. And there we have back to a yeah. three-fold alignment system. Uh, <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> All right, well, uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for your, uh, participating in this uh, fun little adventure with us tonight. Don, you got anything you'd like to add? No. You guys are some good dudes. Yep. Uh, once again, you guys are cool. Once again, not assholes. <laughs> uh, once again, thanks to Edgar Johnson and thanks to Matthew Weeks for joining us tonight. And we will see you next time when we'll be talking about something completely different. But we'll still talk about drinking, spinning, and running. Thanks a lot, folks. Yeah, thanks, guys.